What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Hey, everybody, it is Trags, Mike Petralia, back with the latest installment of the Jungle Roar podcast. It is an exceptionally exciting podcast for me to do because I welcome in my CLNS colleague covering the New England Patriots and covering all things, and I do mean all things NFL Draft 2022 style in Las Vegas with an incredible spreadsheet that really does a great job of going over the strengths and weaknesses of all of the top prospects uh, in the upcoming NFL draft. The one and only Evan Lazar, you can follow him on Twitter. He's a, I say this for all my guests because I want to give them some buildup, but if you're not following Evan Lazar at easy Lazar, all one word on Twitter, you're really missing out. How you doing, bud? Is that enough of a buildup for you? That was good. I'm going to record that and we're going to play that whenever uh, we start Patriots B2 and we're, we're going to keep a, uh, that recording at the beginning as the intro. Thank you very much. And hello, sir. And it's good to see you. Good to talk to you. Really excited to do this one. The Patriots and the Bengals uh, play each other this year, Trag. So yeah, they sure do. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that game. That was circled uh, on my calendar. Whenever the schedule comes out, we'll find out when that game is. But uh, this will be fun. I think the Patriots and Bengals, as we were just talking about, in very, very different positions right now. But in some ways, they both have their quarterbacks, right? So they're right. not looking for quarterbacks anymore. And they're kind of looking to build out the rest of the roster around it. But obviously, Cincinnati is way ahead of where the Patriots currently are at. And I think they're way ahead. Essentially, a lot of people would figure because of the offensive weapons they bring to the table in an yeah. offensive driven game, correct? Yeah, I think that that really is where it starts. I mean, take Jamar Chase out of it because he's on a totally different stratosphere compared to anybody else that the Patriots have on their roster. I remember watching the playoffs last year and thinking to myself, how many times and how can the Patriots get a guy like T Higgins in the building, right? Because that sort of profile, the size, um, but that ability to get in and out of a break and, and still be able to run a decent amount of routes on your route tree and not just be a jump ball guy down the field. Right. The Patriots have been trying to find that player since the early two, like Chad Jackson, right? Like, like we can go back 15, 20 years uh, of Patriots draft history, looking for the six foot two, six foot three outside receiver and seeing how many failures Jackson Dobson, Nikhil Harry, obviously recently. So I think Jamar Chase is on a couple of floors above anybody on the Patriots. And I would put T Higgins somewhere above the, the Patriots as well. And they would absolutely love to have a player just a, on T Higgins's level in new England's offense. So yeah, it's the weapons really separate 
Cincinnati. And I would also say that as much as I think Mac made some really good strides as a rookie and showed right. some really right. good things, maybe showed some rookie season burrow elements to his game. Uh, certainly not Joe Burrow as of yet. And, and they still have to get him up a few levels before we start talking about him in that conversation. All right. Um, one area I think the Bengals and Patriots are both going to be looking at. And the way I want to break down this podcast, I'm going to, we're obviously going to be talking about the Cincinnati Bengals first at 31. Yeah. Then we're going to talk about the Patriots at 21. Then we're going to talk about some of the prospects coming out of the University of Cincinnati, which at least for one draft, the draft of 2022 is on level with the Alabamas, the Ohio States of the past. The, ba- the Bearcats could have an incredibly impactful, um, you know, or could really impact the 2022 NFL draft. So I want to get to that toward the end. But we're going to start with the cornerbacks because I think there is an assumption right now that the Bengals are leaning towards corner at 31. And the Bengals have Cheeto Awuzie at one corner position, and they have Eli Apple, who returns on a one-year $4 million contract on the other side, Um, but that's a one-year contract, and I think the Bengals are intent on bringing in somebody who can challenge uh, Eli Apple and challenge him to start, and I think there are options out there um, in the cornerback room Uh, on your spreadsheet on CLNS media. We'll give you the link uh, in just a little bit, but uh, a couple of the names I want to talk about first is Kair Alam. Get your uh, take on Kair Alam out of Florida. What kind of cornerback prospect, if he's available for the Bengals at 31, is he? So I think the biggest thing that stands out about Elam to me is he's an alpha dog, right? He went out there against SEC competition. We're talking about the receivers at Alabama, Traylon Burks at Arkansas, and some of these other top flight wide receivers over the last couple of years in that conference. And we know how many guys have come through the SEC in the last two or three years that Elam went toe to toe against. And he has that cornerback mentality of ultra confident like he doesn't think anybody's better than him he doesn't think anybody could beat him on raw tools or physicality or upside or anything like that he's just as good as the guy across from him and if you're going to play corner consistently in the nfl and you're going to do it well you have to have that kind of mentality you have to have that kind of swagger uh, that elam brings to the table so that's the intangible that i really like about him as a player He's a press man corner, I, I think. He's a physical guy at the line of scrimmage. Hello, Lou Anarumo. <laughs> yeah, he, he wants to get up in people's faces. He wants to jam you. He wants to ride you, bump and run down the field. And he wants you to feel him uh, throughout the route, not just at the line of scrimmage, but really throughout the entire route that you're going to run. The one thing that I have reservations about with him on tape is you do see some hip tightness and segmented movements at the top of the route. So if you're going to put him, you know, looking in the division, for example, Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh, assuming he stays in Pittsburgh, really good route runner, really good uh, fluid mover at the top of the route. I'm not sure if Elam, and I look at it from a pass perspective with Elam, like if they have to go up against Stephon Diggs or Tyree Kill or someone like that, I don't know if that's the best matchup for him. He's somebody that I project at the next level playing on the outside 
and playing against the bigger body types at wide receiver, the X's, uh, the T Higginses of the world, not necessarily uh, the guys that are going to be the break it down and make sharp cuts and get in and out of the break point because he doesn't have that stickiness at the top of the route that you would like to see his 40 time made him a lot of money. This is a player that I think when you watch him just based off the evaluation on the tape, a lot of people saw some limited or stiff movements. Then he goes to Indianapolis, runs a four, three, nine in the 40 yard dash. And people say, okay, well now he's got long speed. So maybe he's not the most agile guy, uh, but he's got that long speed to carry verticals down the field. So I remember maybe right before the combine, I had him somewhere go in the thirties, like on, on day two, like a early second round pick. Now I would be really surprised if he gets out of the first round. Okay. We are going to go, um, Evan on the assumption that sauce Gardner is not going to be there. Obviously Derek Stingley is not going to be there. Those two corners are not going to be there for either the Patriots or uh, the Bengals. I don't think Uh, certainly not for the Bengals, but um, I don't think even Stingley or sauce will be there uh, for new England at 21 Uh, new England, by the way, who was, you know, lost obviously JC Jackson to the chargers and uh, Stefan Gilmore in the last couple of seasons. Um, but I do want to focus on two other cornerbacks, Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson and Trent McDuffie out of Washington. So Andrew Booth Jr. is one of my favorite corners in the entire draft. Outside of those top two that you just mentioned, I have him as my number three corner in the draft. And the biggest reason why is that he has explosive traits in terms of his athleticism. You watch him close from a zone assignment or um, make a play on the ball down the field and man coverage. And he's got probably in my mind, the best feet in the entire draft at the cornerback position, wicked, quick, fluid movements. And you see those types of just sudden bursts of energy and you get really excited about the type of player that he could possibly be on the football, right? Making plays down the field on the football. The guy that he reminds me a ton of coming out is Jair Alexander at Louisville. And Jair was the same way where when you turned on Louisville tape in that draft, he just popped off the tape at you and you just go, who the heck is this guy, right? Like this guy's going to be an absolute stud. Now the shortcomings for Booth, I would say are less about his actual tape and more about the small sample size that he has. He only played 15 games at Clemson, partially due to injury, partially due to COVID and, you know, the short season and stuff like that. There's a bunch of prospects in this draft that are either old, like 24, 25 year old rookies, or they are guys that don't have a lot of tape because of the COVID season. So Andrew Booth Jr. fits in that second one of the COVID season, really hurting his sample size. So some inconsistency on tape, he's not all the way there yet, but in terms of the physical movements that he brings to the table, he moves as well on the football field as anybody in this class. And that I think is certainly something that especially when we start talking about the twenties or the early thirties, like the Patriots and the Bengals, I start taking chances a little bit more on traits at that point of the draft where I say, this guy 
we're going to season him. We're going to round him out. And he already has the playmaking qualities that you want in a number one corner. So like I said, Jair Alexander would be my comp, obviously Jair coming out of college, not what Jair is now. And, and you hope that you can get Andrew Booth Jr. to that point. All right. And we should uh, remind everybody uh, that Jamar Chase sat out a COVID year in 2020 and it didn't hurt him right. too much <laughs> last yeah. year. Trent McDuffie of Washington, real quick. Yeah, really interesting one because he, to me, so his average depth of target in college was only 8.8 yards. So he's covering drag routes, screens, uh, little hitches, just really quick underneath routes. He's one of the best open field tacklers in this class at any position. Really, really good play speed. He's got this innate, innate ability to work through the trash like he can just run through a bunch of bodies and get through a bunch of people and make tackles on guys he only had two career interceptions at Washington because he just didn't get targeted down the field a ton but in this AFC with you know Tyree Kill moving to Miami and the other moving parts and you see all this speed coming into the league if you need somebody that's just going to shadow a guy that runs a four, two or a four, three at wide receiver, then there's not much better that you can do than Trent McDuffie in that department. But I think at his size and the way he plays, he's definitely going to shadow those types of guys and maybe play a lot in the slot ultimately in the NFL and not necessarily be a pure outside guy. But in terms of pure coverage talent, he's one of the best in the class. What um, we're going to get, touch on more Cincinnati University of Cincinnati Bearcats prospects in a little bit. But what about Kobe Bryant? I'm very high on him for one reason. He obviously played the opposite corner from Sauce Gardner. And right. the reason that's significant is because a lot of court college quarterbacks didn't even bother throwing at Sauce and they had to go somewhere else. And, and more often than not, that was at Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I think the best thing that I like about him is he's got this cool and calm demeanor about him. It never looks like he's in panic mode when he's on the field. And I think a lot of the reason why he doesn't have much panic when I when you watch a cornerback prospect, if they're opening up their hips early and trying to get up the field or if they're a little bit hesitant, you talk about them being a little panicky. Right. And you're worried about, OK, he doesn't trust his stuff. He doesn't trust what he's seeing. He doesn't trust his athletic ability. And I see a guy like Kobe Bryant. I think he's got great instincts, great feel IQ. And I think one of the reasons why he's so common coverage is that he's one step ahead of the route uh, a lot of the time. He kind of knows based off the alignment, based off of film study, things like that, maybe a, a really good route anticipator and kind of knows what he's getting out there. And I think that allows him to play a really cool and calm brand of football. So I like him for man coverage teams. I also like him for cover three or post safety zone teams as well. I just think that his traits with his length and his ability to play with the back to the quarterback and press man, uh, a lot of those teams, I think, will really cover a guy like that real quick what does twitchy mean when people read on your spreadsheet um he has he's very twitchy twitchy uh, explosive sudden quick right just somebody that when you watch him move it's just in a blur right that, that's what i call twitchy or uh, i would also maybe call it sudden right where his movements are just instantly he's zero to 60 right that's the guy that i would describe as twitchy all right, let's move on to another position that I think Bengal fans are sneakily anticipating um, the Bengals maybe taking a, a chance on and taking a swing on if 
the player is high enough up their big board and still available at 31. Let me add that um, uh, qualifier onto the description. Safety. Daxton Hill, Michigan probably won't be there. As you told me offline uh, about a week ago, uh, he probably will not get by Bill at 21. Um, Lewis Seen of Georgia, Jaquan Brisker of Penn State, and another Cincinnati prospect, Brian Cook. Yeah, I like Brian Cook, too, as like a mid-round guy. We can get to that one in a yes, second. Daxton later Hill. On. Yeah, Daxton Hill is could potentially be the best pure coverage guy in the entire draft. I mean, he is just a really, really great player. And I look at the way that the Bengals, and I mean, a really, really great player for today's NFL, because I look at the way that the Bengals made that run last year to the Super Bowl. And Lou Anamaro doing a lot of different two high structures, right? Cover two, cover four, uh, quarter structures, uh, match zones, things like that. And you need players that are flexible in order to run those types of schemes. And you look at all across the league, how many teams now are adopting these two high structures, right? Because of all the speed and because of all yes. the college spread elements, a lot of two high safeties. Daxton Hill is the type of guy that can play deep safety. He can play slot. He can play outside. And when you use those different zone rotations and zone match coverages, he can play in so many different spots that it gives you a ton of fluidity with the way that you're going to use him. He is a, a very, very explosive coverage player. You see him making really, really good plays on the ball where he closes down space really quickly. Good open field tackler can play the deep safety or the post safety role ranging over the top. He can also play closer to the line of scrimmage at corner, like I mentioned. And as the game evolves and as the schemes from college start to trickle up more and more to the NFL and teams are running a lot of these more uh, two high zones or two man, he is the quintessential, like the perfect prospect to usher in that type of defense into the NFL. If you're going in that direction as a defense, you Daxon Hill is your pick. Like that's the guy that you want to pick in the first round because of his ability to play so many different spots. And I think that if you're Bill Belichick and you're sitting there at 21, he's not the conventional corner that the Patriots maybe need that, you know, he's not JC Jackson, right. He's not going to play on the outside and, right. and be that kind of guy, but he's somebody that I think can do that. And the way I looked at the Bengals again and how they made it to the Super Bowl last year they did so much of that positionless secondary stuff where everybody was kind of moving around and had different roles and oh they're playing a lot of zone I think Daxon Hill fits right into that type of mentality let me jump in here what's interesting about this and Bengal fans know the drama that has gone on with Jesse Bates now for uh, going on a year, uh, he yeah. switched agents, athletes first. Um, David Mulligetta obviously uh, plays a big factor in whether or not Jesse Bates is going to sign long term. He's been franchised once. He could technically be franchised again after the upcoming season. I don't think the Bengals are going to want to do that. Um, and if you take a safety, um, you're talking about somebody who could possibly step in uh, for Jesse Bates when he goes, or if they re-sign Jesse Bates, Von Bell only has a year left on his contract. So there is, you know, that opening for the Bengals to slot somebody like a Daxton Hill or Lewis Seen. Real quick, what do you like about Lewis Seen? 
a physical enforcer in the middle of the field. He's a patrolman, right? He's somebody that is going to bring the and lay the wood consistently. He can also play a couple of different roles in the national championship game against Alabama. You'll see him going sideline to sideline uh, with a little slide route, right? The receiver releasing into the flat and he's coming across the field right. and making that type of tackle. You'll also see him play the deep uh, part of the field uh, and range over the top and make rangy plays from a center field or a split safety zone type of role as well. So he's another one of those guys that is rising up the board, just like Daxon Hill tested through the roof at in, in Indy at the combine. It can play a bunch of different spots for you in the defense and was one of the more underrated players on that Georgia defense last year. And that national t- championship game, just turn that game on. If, if the Bengals draft Louis seen and Bengals fans need to get excited about Louis seen, go watch a national championship game. Cause he was absolutely everywhere. Brisker of Penn State, Petra of uh, Baylor. So Brisker is, to me, a deep safety that plays like a strong safety, right? Like He wants to lay the wood as well. He's a really physical guy. He's consistently ranked as one of the best athletes in this entire draft. His tape two years ago, I would say in 2020, was a little bit better than in 2021. So He's fallen down the board a little bit because of that, but he's a physical guy, another enforcer, great athlete, can range everywhere, make every play. No, no play is too far for Jaquan Bisker to go and get the football. And he's more, to me, a prototypical deep safety and maybe a box safety, but he's not like Dax Hill where he could play corner. I, I don't think that he's got that t- type of positional ver- versatility, but He's either going to play strong or free safety in your system and that he's going to be good at it. I I don't know if he's a complete game changer for me, but he's somebody that would be a really good NFL free safety or potentially strong safety, depending on the way you run your scheme. All right. Um, There is the chance Bengal fans know this, who've been following us all along um, that they take, even though they have signed or acquired three, um, starting offensive lineman in free agency, obviously Ted Karras, who you know and yeah. I know very well, um, Alex yeah. Kappa, the right guard from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and yeah. L.L. Collins. Getting him was huge. Um, but if Tyler Linderbaum is there from Iowa, what should Bengal fans know about him, and, and should they be that concerned about his short arms? <laughs> no. I, I think okay. arm length is – is something that I think is really overrated for interior offensive line play. I think it becomes more of a factor at tackle, but even still, I think it's an overrated measurement to begin with for offensive linemen. The thing about Linderbaum is that he is an impact center. And, And what I mean by that is because of his athleticism and his ability to get out of his stance and be explosive in his movements out of his stance, not only can he generate knockback power with that initial quickness, but he can also make blocks on the move. And he's somebody that you can basically build the entire blocking scheme around at the center position because of that movement skill. I think the best comp that I can come up with him is Jason Kelsey, the center on the Eagles, uh, Mm. who is a very, very athletic player. I mean, you see Jason Kelsey getting out in front of screens and running 30, 40 yards down the field all the time. Second level center. Yeah, I think Linderbaum is the same type of guy. And when I look at the additions that the Bengals made, 
with Karras and with Kappa, uh, two really steady guards, two really solid guards, but I wouldn't necessarily say they're the most athletic guards in space or the guys that can really move very well uh, off the line of scrimmage. So Linderbaum, I think, would fit in really nicely because he could be the movement piece. He could be the guy that's getting up to the second level or that's, uh, you know, occasionally pulling or coming out in front of a screen pass and leading the way. He is an ultra athlete. I mean, he's an elite, elite athlete, and he moves extremely well out of his stance and very, very explosive player. And if you're going to draft the center that early, he, he better be that kind of guy. If you're going to draft a center in the first round, you want him to be an impact athlete. And I, I think Linderbaum's that type. And I think what concerns Bengal fans is the Bengals swung and missed essentially on Billy Price. Now they did trade him to yeah. the Giants um, and the Giants used him very serviceably uh, in 2021. And uh, more to the point, uh, the Bengals got a terrific defensive lineman back in return in BJ Hill, who just obviously signed an offseason contract extension with the Bengals. So um, that trade, uh, that draft pick actually turned out to net the Bengals something very good. But can a Tyler Linderbaum become a Creed Humphrey. Uh, that's what I think Bengal fans are wondering. Yeah. Can he step in to a high powered offense like Humphrey did out of Oklahoma and be a starter right from the get go? Yeah, I, I believe so. And I, I think he's easily the best interior offensive lineman in this entire draft. If you add guards into the center group, but it, I will say as much as I like Linderbaum and I think he'd be an, a day one impact guy, this draft is uniquely deep at center. Like there are a lot of draftable centers this mm. year. Whereas most years, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the case. There's a lot of guys that come in through the draft that are guards in college that maybe some people project to play center, but haven't played a ton of center. There's a lot of guys in this year's draft that have snapped the football in college that have played the center position as full-time centers, guys like Luke Fortner, for instance, at Kentucky, right. or Alex Lindstrom from uh, BC is another one. Uh, those guys uh, are pure centers, right? Though they're not guards, and Linderbaum's another one of those. So if the Bengals missed out on Linderbaum or they want to go in a different direction with maybe a more valuable position in the first round, like corner or something like that, then don't fret because this is probably the deepest center draft that I've seen in the last three or four years. All right. We got to get to wide receiver and uh, we haven't talked about that yet. Correct. We have not. No, I could, we've done so much so far. It's just, I'm, my mind is spinning. So forgive me. Uh, speaking by the way, with Evan Lazar of CLNS media doing a great job covering the NFL draft and has a spreadsheet on our website, clnsmedia.com. Uh, go to his Twitter page, EZ Lazar, all one word, and he has a link for it. That's probably the easiest way to find it. And there's a Google Doc there with all of this incredible information. Okay, X wide receiver. Look, the Bengals know, we all know that they have a, an incredible trio of wide receivers in Chase, yes. Higgins, and Boyd. But there are some, I mean, it's a receiver deep drafted, like they all seem to be now. And there are receivers, let's say a Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, or Traylon Burks falls to 31. If you're um, Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor, do you take them? So it's funny because 
as a Patriots reporter, the Patriots desperately need a number one wide receiver. And I go on the other day, I went on a bills podcast with some of my uh, friends, I'll call them friends in Buffalo. And they're talking wide receivers. And I'm like, you have Stefan Diggs, you have Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, and you're talking to me about wide receivers. And then I come on a Bengals podcast with the one and only tracks. And he's talking about wide receivers when they have Jamar chase on the team. Like, what are we doing here? But that's the league, right? That's the league. That's the world we live in. And I think beyond all of that, the biggest thing and tracks as a, devout Bengals follower you can be the first one to tell me this the Bengals typically are not big spenders in free agency right they don't typically go out and hand out the massive contracts and I look at their roster construction and I'm sure that this is a conversation in Cincinnati already no Burrow is going to get paid Jamar Chase is going to get paid and are the Bengals it's not necessarily that the Bengals won't pay those guys, but how are they going to build out the rest of the roster around them when they do eventually have to pay those guys? Exactly. And if you look at the wide receiver position now, the only way, the only way, and I wrote this about the Patriots, the only way that you are going to get elite wide receiver play at a discounted price is if you draft a wide receiver, the guys that are getting to free agency, the guys that are getting traded like Tyree kill and Devonte Adams are absolutely breaking the bank at the position. And you are no longer going to get value in the veteran market. It is an overpay, no matter which level of receiver you're going after, even a guy like Marquez Valdez Scantling gets three for $30 million as a free agent or Christian Kirk gets four for 72 from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So as much as I think it's absolutely insane that the Bengals could be considering a wide receiver in the first round, that's the only way that you get good talent on an affordable contract at that position anymore. So Jameson Williams to me is not going to be there. I I just can't envision a world where that skill set, which is what everybody wants in the NFL, right? A true four two five guy that plays like right. a four two five guy. I, I just don't think that he makes it out of the top twenty. You know, he's Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, like he is that guy already uh, at Alabama. I think the one guy that you mentioned there that could potentially be there for Cincinnati is Traylon Burks, who, as a Patriot fan, I sit here and say. I wouldn't touch Traylon Burks with a 10-foot pole because he reminds me way too much of Nikhil Harry. But at the same time, the Bengals are much better at developing and coaching wide receivers than the Patriots are. So he's the type of guy that you always have to figure out, is he more A.J. Brown or is he more Nikhil Harry, right? Because he's got a little bit of both of those guys in his game. He's a really good ball carrier, explosive ball carrier, great speed, breakaway speed, and great contact balance to just run right through people and explode right through the uh, defense. He's got the downfield high point ability. He's got uh, some size and and kind of can play basketball down the field as well. But he's going to be somebody that I think ideally is used as kind of like a Debo Samuel or an A.J. Brown, where he's got a lot of easy runways presented to him there he can just run with the football and take off and and that's the type of player that he is he only ran a four five five but he's a builder of speed he's somebody that at his size once he gets running downhill he's like a freight train and and the only 
comparison I can come up with off the top of my head is like, you know, Gronk was never an explosive guy in the first 10 yards. He was not running by anybody, but once Pete Gronk got moving, like good luck trying to tackle that guy, right? Like that's the type of guy that Traylon Burks projects to be is at six foot two, 225. Uh, once he gets up to four or five in the open field, I mean, no one's going to tackle that at that speed. So that's sort of a Traylon Burks in a nutshell. I think that he's probably the the option that would probably make the most sense at that draft position. But the one thing that you have to worry about if you really want wide receiver at the Bengals, the Patriots are at 21. The Dallas Cowboys are at 24 and the Kansas city chiefs and the green Bay Packers both have first round picks before the Bengals pick all of those teams could take a wide receiver. Yes. So the cupboard could be bare by the time we get to 31. All right. Pure slots um, with the understanding that uh, Tyler Boyd is uh, signed for a couple more years, but still um, you're talking about Garrett Wilson, sky Moore of Western Michigan. Uh, I, I actually have seen him rated as the top slot of pure slot available in the upcoming draft. Uh, Johan Dotson of Penn state, again, another very highly regarded slot receiver and John Mechie, the third um, out of Alabama. Is he somebody that could go to the Patriots? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think so many things about John Mechie, so many of the issues that the Patriots have had in the past with receivers is Number one, projecting them from their college scheme into New England scheme, because the Patriots run a scheme that's so different than what they do down in college, that it's big transition for wide receivers to go from a wide open scheme in the Pac-12, like Nikhil Harry, to a Patriots scheme. The other kind of trouble that they've had is chemistry with the quarterback, you know, uh, familiarity with the quarterback and that sort of thing. So John Mechie eliminates both of those concerns, right? Because he played with Bill O'Brien at Alabama. So he played in a Patriot-like scheme with the Crimson Tide. And he had the 2020 season with Mac Jones. So he already knows the quarterback. He already knows some of the concepts that you run offensively. So to me, he's the safest wide receiver pick by far for New England for those reasons. For the Bengals, if they're going to go with an inside guy, I do really like Sky Moore. And I think once you get into the 30s, the Sky Moore discussion probably starts. Uh, he's somebody that when you watch him run, his initial stages of his route, the release, the stem, uh, just in a really, really dynamic route runner. Uh, he's got quick feet, runs a nasty slant, three step, five step slant, just breaking ankles at the top of the route uh, with that and a really, really good ball carrier, uh, really good after the catch. He reminds me a little bit of Julian Edelman. He's got some of that shiftiness and that slitheriness and the power uh, that Edelman had. And he's just a really dynamic route runner, probably toe to toe with all these guys in terms of pure route running ability and man to man beating ability. Uh, Sky Moore is a really fun, fun player and tested extremely well at the combine as well. So he's going to be an early day two pick, I would say. All right. And I'm going to touch on one more player uh, for the Bengals or one more position group for the Bengals that you do not have on the spreadsheet. But I want to get your thoughts on how the tight end position um, lines up for uh, this draft. Um, Obviously, there is the possibility the Bengals could be looking to partner somebody with Hayden Hurst, who signed, obviously, his one year deal here with the Bengals. Approve it. Show me deal, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I think there's 
the possibility, maybe not in the first round, but maybe second, second day, uh, the Bengals take a chance on a tight end. How does the group look? So I think the safest tight end in this group is probably Greg Dolchich from UCLA, just a guy that is polished, right, is ready to come in. I think the biggest thing about the tight end position that you have to remember is that early career production out of tight ends, rookie season production is extremely rare. Gronk had a great rookie year, but he only had 500 receiving yards as a rookie, and that's maybe the best tight end of all time. Travis Kelsey took a couple years to get going as well. So getting early career production out of the tight end position is tough. So what you look for is guys that can block, already and guys that can run the seam i think that those are the two things that you want out of a rookie tight end dolchich can do both of those things i know a lot of people are higher on trey mcbride out of colorado state yep. mcbride's a little smaller than dolchich is he's probably more of like a move tight end than your traditional inline guy kind of like a jumbo wide receiver more so than somebody that's a true hand of the dirt tight end uh, the one guy that is really I think a lot of uh, people in draft media and on draft Twitter are super high on and really excited about to get to the league is Jelani Woods from Virginia, who is one of the best athletes in the entire draft and has all of the physical raw tools that you want in terms of athletic ability, size. He's like six, 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 seven runs well. And he's a ball of clay. He's got, a long way to go. He's not by any means a finished product, but if you're just betting on upside and athleticism, Jelani Woods is probably the top guy in that department in this class. And if you're the Bengals, they doesn't, they don't necessarily need their tight end draft pick to come in and make an, an instant impact in their offense, right? They already got right. that with Chase and Higgins and those guys. So if they're just looking for upside of that position, then I would say Jelani Woods somewhere in the third or fourth round would make a lot of sense. All right. What about the Patriots? Now we said we'd speak and you already have touched on it a little bit uh, in terms of the wide receiver position, but what do the Patriots need to do not only at 21, but in this upcoming draft um, to put themselves in position? I mean, they've now have, they're going to have a hell of a time trying to win that division, which was, you know, you know, gifted to them almost every single year uh, between 2000 and one and 2020 um now they've got the bills i think the jets are improving and the dolphins made some huge moves what do the patriots have to get out of this draft i think it's a really interesting draft to decipher where the patriots are going as an organization based off of how they draft because they have needs both in the short and the long term like so they could go at the top of the draft and they could make a pick for an immediate impact contributor either on defense or offense right or they could look at it and say isaiah wins a free agent next year trent brown can't stay healthy we need a tackle now a tackle would be more of a two to three year window right versus if they were to draft a corner or a linebacker or a wide receiver now we're talking about them trying to make a big splash right this minute but the thing that i keep on coming back to with the patriots at the top of the draft and drags you know this better than anyone bill belichick has always had an inside linebacker middle linebacker to direct the defense run the defense and be the guy in the middle right from brewski to 
high tower to Mayo or Mayo to high tower, high tower I guess right. The, right. You know, they've always had a cerebral, smart, instinctive uh, field general, a green dot a guy that wears the green dot high tower is on the fence right now about playing next season. I, I think that there's a lot of uh, leaning towards retirement there with him. Juwan Bentley did resign on the two year deal, but I, I think that, they're hopefully thinking a little bit bigger picture than Juwan Bentley at that spot. So who's, who's Belichick's next high tower, right? Like, cause they don't have that guy currently on the roster. And when I think of a bill Belichick defense throughout the years, I mean, going all the way back to the giants, it's always run through the linebackers. And I still think that they need to get more uh, younger, more dynamic, more talented at linebacker. So I wouldn't be surprised if linebacker is a big one of uh, their early draft needs as well, or, or where they go early on in the draft, such a great linebacker class, Devin Lloyd, Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, uh, Christian Harris, it, Chad Mumma, Troy Anderson. I mean, the list goes out. Uh, Beavers from Cincinnati, obviously, as well. So I still think that they ultimately will run through a linebacker in the middle of the field. And, and I don't think that they quite have that player yet in house. At 21, all things being equal, what do the Patriots do? Give me three, give me three options. So I think the way that they'll ultimately look at it is that if somebody like last year with Mac Jones, if somebody falls into their lap at 21, a can't miss prospect falls or a guy like Chris Olave or Jamison Williams at a big position in need falls into their lap, I think they will pick and take the guy. Uh, or maybe if it's at on defense, it's, you know, if there's a slide for Derek Stingley or if uh, they like really like McDuffie or Booth or one of the top corners in the draft, it's somebody like that. Devin Lloyd, maybe out of Utah, or Dean from Georgia, a linebacker. If one of those types of uh, Jordan Davis, obviously, too, I, I just like Vince Wilford 2.0, he's got to be a, a guy that's going to be high on their board. If one of those guys falls to them and falls right in the lap of Bill Belichick, I think he makes the pick. But when I look at this draft and I look at the depth and where the depth is and the value is, I, this does feel a lot like a trade down draft for Bill. Uh, I, I think that they could mm. use another top 100 mm. pick. And I think that they could look at it and say, you know, we're going to get the guys on day two that are going to be good football players for us and solid guys. And we're going to draft Mechie in the second round as our wide receiver pick and go that direction instead of looking for that top guy. Like I said, there, there's a small list that I just kind of named of if this guy falls to us, just like Mac did last year, we're making a pick. But if not, I, I think they end up trading out and try to accumulate as many picks as possible. We're going to wrap up this uh, Jungle Roar podcast talking all things Cincinnati Bengals and obviously on this episode, New England Patriots as well uh, with the one and only Evan Lazar of CLNS Media doing an incredible job not only covering the Patriots for CLNS, but also the 2022 draft. You can get a link for his Google document uh, giving you a breakdown of pretty much all of the top prospects in the National Football League. Um on his Twitter handle at easy Lazar, all one word. All right. I want to wrap up by talking about the Cincinnati Bearcats. Luke fickle obviously has done a tremendous job rebuilding yeah. the program. Everybody knows he went undefeated 13 and zero before losing to uh, Alabama in the national semifinal uh, in the cotton bowl uh, this past January 1st and uh, actually December 31st. 
Now I can't remember. December, anyway, end of December, beginning of January. And uh, I want to get your take on all of the Cincinnati prospects that could be headed into the NFL draft, starting with the consensus top pick of any Bearcat. And that would be Ahmad Sauce, Sauce Gardner. Yeah, Sauce is a really fun player to watch. I, I think that the best comparison that I've heard for him is Richard Sherman. He's got that kind of length. I think ideally he plays in a cover three style, Seattle style system, which is why teams like the Jets are sitting right there at the top of the draft. And you just got to think that fit just makes so much sense for Robert Sala and the way that they're going to run their defense and all that type of stuff. I, I think that that pick would make so much sense from a stylistic perspective and just a great marriage of, you know, talent, raw talent and scheme fit with those two coming together. So he's got the length uh, really smooth in coverage, obviously, but I think ideally he plays in a Seattle three system where he's playing mostly man match cover three, but some, you know, or zone match, excuse me, cover three, but some elements of straight man-to-man coverage as well. Uh, he's a lock top 10, maybe even a lock top five at this point. I, I have him as the second best corner in the class. I like Derek Stingley a little bit more than right. sauce, but I, it's, they're in the same bucket, right? It's, it's right. really a flavor and pick your, pick your poison. All right. Uh, let's talk about the quarterback coming out of the University of Cincinnati and there's been a lot of speculation that the Pittsburgh Steelers in need of a quarterback and they really do like Desmond Ritter they've had scouts around Desmond Ritter uh, throughout the season they were at UC's pro day I was there as well and Mike Tomlin was there as well Uh, the head coach was there and I want to get your uh, read on whether or not you think the Steelers could take Desmond Ritter and what Desmond Ritter provides a team. I gotta be honest. It's, it's not a great quarterback class. We all know that, right? Yes, it's not like do. last year where Trevor Lawrence and Mack and Trey Lance and fields and Zach Wilson are right there all in the top 10, 15 picks. It's not like that this year, but I gotta be honest, Travis. I am shocked that Desmond Ritter is not the consensus QB one in this draft. Like absolutely shocked by that because When I look at Malik Willis, when I look at, I guess, Matt Corral or uh, Kenny Pickett or whatever other quarterback you want to use, I I can't explain the why, right? I can't explain why did they make this throw? Why did they make this play? They have great flashes and and out of structured plays where they're playing playground football and they're making plays with their legs and doing ridiculous things and stuff like that, where you can say, oh, okay, you know, that that's functional. You know, you can make those types of plays. That's good. But Desmond Ritter by far operates the best within the confines of the offense that he was running. You can explain with good, you know, football reasons why he made pretty much every single throw that he made at Cincinnati from a reading the coverage standpoint, the route combination, the whole nine yards. And then on top of that, he's a great athlete right? He's he yeah. tested through the roof. He can run. He's mobile. Uh, I'm really shocked that uh, he's not the consensus QB one. He's clearly got the cleanest process of any of the quarterbacks in the class. And he's still a really, really good athlete. He's maybe not the runner that Malik Willis is, but he's not a bad, uh, he's not a, a statue in the pocket by any means. Right. And so I, 
I'm really trying to figure out why teams aren't higher on Desmond Ritter. And, and maybe they are. And, and maybe it's the media that doesn't understand uh, quite yet how high the league is on him. What really impressed me about Desmond Ritter after games this year, and I covered the Bearcats, as you know, he would explain his throws in the yeah. post-game press conference. You don't I'm get sure. a lot yeah. of college quarterbacks who will like break down what he was thinking, what he was seeing and why he made a particular throw that kind of blew me away. And I'm like, this, this is not your typical college quarterback. This is a college quarterback. Like you said, Evan, that understands the system in which he's operating and how to execute a throw. Yeah. Really high level IQ. I'm sure that when he got on the whiteboard with teams at the combine and had top 30 visits and stuff like that, he was blowing teams away. He's got that type of cerebralness about him. And I I remember just all the homework that we did on on CLMS on Mac Jones last year, going into the draft, a lot of the same things were said about Mac, about how smart he was and how he could just pick up a playbook and learn it in in a couple of days and and just how quick witted he was on the football field. And then Ritter is a better athlete, right? I think Ritter is starting from a better athletic platform than Mac Jones. So maybe not as clean mechanically, maybe not as right. accurate down the field as Mac was or is, uh, but certainly has that uh, IQ and the athleticism. And like I said, I would take him as a top quarterback in the draft. I remember watching his tape last year when he was still undecided about going back to Cincinnati and thinking, wow, this, this, this is what he looks like now, another year in college. I mean, this kid's going to be really, really good player. I don't know what his ceiling is in the NFL, but I, I just know I feel comfortable about his floor. Darian Beavers and my Jay Sanders. So my Jay Sanders is interesting because he was sick at the combine and he lost like 15, 20 pounds or something crazy like that because he had some sort of illness going on. So we didn't exactly get to see him test. He's a really interesting player out on the edge, though, a deep edge class. And he's another one of those guys that can get after the quarterback. He didn't have the sack totals uh, that you necessarily want the top of the draft. But when you look at things like pressures per snaps and just how much he's harassing quarterbacks and, and really affecting quarterbacks. Maje Sanders uh, has the speed off the edge. He's got some hand usage and technique that he can fl- throw at tackles. A really interesting prospect, I think, in the middle of the rounds. Darian Beavers, to me, if the Patriots are just going to draft the top 100 linebacker and it's going to be exactly like all the other linebackers that they've ever had under Bill Belichick, right. then Darian Beavers is going to be the guy. Yeah. If it's not Leo Chanel from Wisconsin, it will be Darian Beavers. And he's somebody that is when he's coming downhill, he's extremely effective, whether he's blitzing the quarterback, whether he's playing the run, an effective downhill missile. I think you can handle some of the low stress coverages, like, you know, flat coverage or little zones over the middle of the field. I think he'd be okay. I wouldn't put him in man coverage on anybody or uh, have him drop in the deep hole or anything like that. But if you're going to manage his coverage reps and you're going to just have him be a downhill type of player, then he's your guy. I really worked very, very well inside the guards too you can line them up like in the a gap and like a mug front or something like that and have them get after the qb or plug gaps on the line of scrimmage in the run game so he's a prototypical thumper uh that has a little bit more athleticism than i think people realized alec pierce one of my favorite prospects in the draft like i get excited talking about alec pierce because i'm sure you watched the game against Notre dame you might have even been there again against notre dame an absolute clinic like an absolute clinic on how to be an outside X receiver, 
how to run the vertical route tree. His release package at the line of scrimmage is terrific, whether it's his footwork. And he's also, I think a lot of the times in college, you see guys that have great feet at the line of scrimmage, but they don't have the complete package of limiting surface area, using their hands, right? And being able to have that hand fighting right. technique at the line. Alec Pierce has a complete release package a polished nfl outside receiver profile can go up and get it with that 40 inch vertical as well down the field i mean he's exactly what any anybody would want in an x receiver explosive 441 41 inch vertical leap great release package he can sink and cut better than you would expect for a guy of his size too i wouldn't say he's a jitterbug but if you're gonna have him run a vertical tree which i'm sure he will so you're gonna run slants digs comebacks and verticals uh, he can run all those types of routes i mean he's he's everything that you would want in that profile he's a fantastic uh, x receiver prospect one of my favorites in the draft Michael Young, uh, have you done any work on him? Because he and Alec, I met him, met them both uh, on Tuesday uh, morning at Paul Brown Stadium because uh, the Bengals uh, hosted a workout for local products, both local college products and local high school products who went to college elsewhere. And both Pierce and Young were there. Do you know anything about Michael Young? Yeah, so Michael Young's kind of the opposite profile, right? Slot receiver, uh, quick sudden twitchy use that word for you tracks and uh that that's the type of guy that i would describe michael young as haven't done as much work on him as alec pierce since he'll be a little bit later in the draft and i usually wait and see who they draft before i go too deep on the on the third uh, day three guys but yeah and one of those prototypical slots i think in the nfl somebody that can definitely fit that profile and uh just another bear cat that's draftable certainly a draftable grade All right. uh, That's enough football talk. You've been awesome. Uh, You're going to be at the garden flipping off um, one Kyrie Irving. Uh, I have tickets for game five, so I'll be there eventually. Uh, Sunday was Easter Sunday. I did have tickets to game one, but of course I I decided to be a family man for the day. And then it was like the greatest game ever. So uh, I I got what I deserved on that one. And, uh, uh, but yeah, I'll I'll be there for at least one game this series. I don't think it's going to be a sweep. So I I, don't think I'll get there in game five. Um, Yeah. Just your quick thoughts on on that. Cause I, those of, of you who are watching this, who are Cincinnati Bengals loyal fans, may not know that Evan Lazar not only covers the Patriots, he is a fierce Celtics fan. And yes. he is one of the more loyal fans. And I think the irony of this, and correct me if I'm wrong, were you not at the Garden in a Celtics Kyrie number 11 jersey when I saw you last at the Garden? Probably. Now, now I wear the Tatum zero. All right. So now, okay. now, I'm a, now it's the Jason Tatum Jersey, but I, I definitely had a Kyrie Jersey. I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to admit out loud that I was wearing one at one point in time, but that sounds like me potentially. Yeah. Yeah. You did have one at one point in time. So I'm yes, not I, mistaken. I, I have it. I, or maybe it's in the trash now, but I, it, it exists somewhere. Yeah. You should you should burn that after this series and, and just yeah I'll, I'll do the Twitter like light the light it on fire and put it on social media yeah well um, you've been awesome uh, what else are you going to be doing uh, for CLNS uh, as we head up to April twenty eighth twenty ninth and thirtieth 
Yeah, Mock Draft Central on CLNS. That's the best way to describe us. We'll do a lot of mock drafts in the next week on Patriots Beat with uh, Alex and, and myself. And then I'll also have a final mock draft. My Patriots Big Board, uh, which is a top 50 fits in the draft for the Patriots, is rolling out this week as well. So you can go ahead and check that on CLNS. I'm sure there'll be guys on there that the Bengals will be interested in or might even draft as well. So all your Bengals listeners can go check that out from a Bengals perspective. But uh, yeah, that's where we're at right now. Now is the the, the hay is in the barn, right? If you, you I've done Thanks, all the Bill. homework now, now <laughs> it's time to just put out all of my projections and all of my predictions and, and then we'll see what happens. I cannot wait to see you uh, in the fall at the newly renovated Gillette stadium with the yes. uh, new lighthouse going up. Correct. Yes. New end zone, new lighthouse. I can't wait to see you either. I'm really excited that this is on the schedule this year. So we can uh, have tracks back in Boston. And that's, uh, I would say that's where you belong, but I know you're happy there in Cincinnati. I'm very, very, very happy here in Cincinnati. So um, we'll leave it at that. Uh, follow Evan Lazar at Easy Lazar on Twitter for all of his incredible draft coverage leading up to the draft. And of course, uh, post-draft mortem post-mortem of the draft. Um, once the draft is completed, we'll have all of that on CLNS Media. He is Evan Lazar. My name is Mike Petralia. That's this week's pre-draft preview of the 2022 selection process for the NFL. Thanks for watching.